Hello listeners, welcome to the Talk HR UK podcast from Alexander Lloyd. I'm Simon Gear, and I'm here to introduce Season 2, Episode 3. All episodes are of course available on the Alexander Lloyd YouTube channel. Now again, I've chosen to record the introduction whilst out walking Vespa, my border terrier. So in the event that I suddenly ask you all to sit, please ignore this command, I am talking to her. Remain standing basically. Anyway, um, this is episode three in which I talk to Craig Patterson, who's the Chief People and Technology Officer at AirPartner, who are an aviation services company working globally, based quite close to the Alexander Lloyd office at Gatwick, actually. Now, Craig and I have been talking on and off over the last few years, and particularly during lockdown, we got onto the subject of what, what his function was doing during this difficult period, and one of the areas that they involved uh, or, or I should say invested a lot of time, were rolling out implicit bias workshops. Now this was rolled out to about 350 staff globally. It's a tricky area, it's, it's highly emotive, it's very uncomfortable for many people, and uh, we thought it'd be useful for Craig to describe how they went about it at an organisation, why they made the decision to roll it out, how it was delivered, and, and what the upshot was, you know, the share of the successes and some of the learnings from this process, because it's a very different matter to roll this out in a medium-sized business globally than uh, a FTSE 50 ocean liner of an organisation where there's perhaps a lot more resource to allocate to something like this. Anyway, look forward to hearing what you think, and I will catch up with you at the other end of the podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talk HR UK. I'm Simon Gear, and as you know by now, when I'm not helping HR directors, CEOs and MDs source the best HR talent in the southeast of the UK, I'm talking to them about all manner of interesting HR matters. Now, I'm delighted today to be joined by Craig Patterson. Hello, Craig. Hi, Simon. Craig has kindly agreed to give up some of his time to talk about uh, something that really interesting that he's implemented in his organisation. So Craig is the Chief People and Technology Officer at Air Partner who are a, a global aviation services organisation based very close to our offices. So we're, we're kind of Gatwick buddies, aren't we? <laughs> we are indeed. We are indeed. Craig, Craig's been with the business three years now. And in our conversations over the last six to 12 months, one of the things that Craig informed me he'd been working on within Air Partner was implicit, implicit bias. So, Craig, you, you mentioned to me you, you recently ran implicit bias training across the group. Um, I guess for, for our listeners' benefit, but what is it? Why did you decide to do this? And, and how is it different to unconscious bias, which is obviously spoke of, you know, more frequently? Yes, indeed. Indeed. Thanks, Simon, for inviting me. Um, so implicit bias is where um, it's a bias is suggested, though not necessarily directly expressed. Unconscious bias is more where a bias occurs, but it's not necessarily realised. Now, that might or might not be easy for people to interpret. But I think that when... We worked with an external company, 1080, who provided us with one of their consultants, Snare, um, who did a great job in, in convincing me that actually implicit bias um, was probably the right solution for us based on what we were trying to achieve, which was directly uh, related to the uh, George Floyd uh, incident in the US. Uh, some of our staff um, were particularly... Um, affected by what happened there and they wanted our organization to really say well what did we think of that um, on the back of the Black Lives movement mm. and so whilst we didn't want to make political statements we did recognize and our staff had asked us to do something and so we decided in line with our values one of which is about care deeply 
to make a company statement on our LinkedIn profile, which we did in support of diversity and inclusion for all, and recognizing that what went there, went what had happened in that case was, mm. you know, not something that we felt we, you know, that we supported in any way or shape. And so the company, the employees actually said, look, making statements one thing, but what are you going to do beyond that to really try to educate people and get people to think differently, maybe open up mm. their minds to potentially whether they were biased themselves and whether um, whether they had expressed it directly or indirectly and what could we do to try to um, yeah make people or enable people to think maybe differently to the way they did uh, they did before any any intervention I mean I think that and I think most people share this view that diverse workforces uh, those that are made up of people from all sorts of different backgrounds are really beneficial to getting a really good result in an organization so from that perspective again we were very happy to support that request it's, it's i mean it's a bold and brave move isn't it because as you say whilst many people are you know i, I think agree quite rightly on, on this important part it's it's deciding on a corporate level to 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 invite conversation invite opinions and and start talking about it so that's a it's a bold move for you and, and obviously quite a, a challenging area of HR. So yes. you, you mentioned you brought in some external assistance to help yeah. you. Um, yeah. So you didn't run it in-house as such. You, do you, did you bring in a partner or, and how did you run it? Was it run, as we're talking now, virtually or, or did you do it did face-to-face? How, how did it all work? Yeah. So it was, uh, we the, the, obviously the George Floyd incident happened, uh, I think it was in May of last year, 2020. And uh, we were well and truly in COVID lockdown. So uh, we had oh. to run the sessions virtually. Right. Um, as I said, we had um, a, a lady called Snea Kilhay, uh, an associate at 1080, come in and do the training for us. I say come in and do the training. She didn't come in at all. It was virtual. Um, but uh, we, we organised, we started with a session with the exec team. And I think all of this is it, it always important to be led by the top. So it's not just seen to be tokenism. So we had a specific session for the executive team. So the CEO, CFO, all of the other executives all attended a specific session with Snea. From that, we then, uh, she obviously had the core uh, framework for the program, and then we developed it slightly, tailored it. And in fact, one of the really great things we did, a couple of our employees actually, um, you know, have been touched uh, directly or indirectly by um, implicit bias themselves, actually input into the program and created a couple of specific pieces within it which really brought it to life, I think, and, and got that ownership. That's, I mean, that's great, isn't it, that you can bring in people from the workforce who, who feel strongly about it and can uh, contribute, really, yeah. because I think that gives yeah. it an authenticity and it's not just another corporate initiative as, as these things can sometimes be seen as. Absolutely, and not just an HR-driven initiative as well. I think that was the other thing. We didn't want this to be seen as an HR initiative because actually it was driven by people in the business. It wasn't that we wasn't that we weren't aware of it. And of course, I, in previous organisations, I've done things around unconscious bias before. But I think this particular matter really, you know, it, it overtook the headlines for several several weeks and months. And in, in the case has just been heard in the US, hasn't it? So Exactly, exactly. It's, it, stayed, it stayed very, very high in the minds of, of people for, for obvious reasons. And it's, um, you know, obviously coming to a, a, a well, just come to an outcome, as you, as you say. So, so how we just on that Simon sorry sure. just on that I was sure. I didn't answer your point about what did we do after that so we did we took the exec team through it and then we we basically invited all staff 
from across the business to attend webinars um, and sessions with Snayer. So um, there were, um, I would say there were a good sort of 70% of people in the organization that attended a session, which was really great. That's excellent. I was going to say to you, I mean, how many is that for people that don't know AirPartner? How many people are we talking about? Uh, we're probably talking, I would have thought around the sort of 350 mark. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't take, um, uh, the, the ticker kept coming up. If you use Microsoft Teams, you'll know that you can see things on it. But I didn't take the definitive number. I wish I had, but I know from looking at all the chat and the number of people who joined the call that there were a significant amount of people. I think, I, I think that magnitude and uh, there was certainly a lot of talk after. So hmm. it, it definitely created quite a lot of discussion. I can imagine because it's such a sensitive area and it, it, it means, I'm particularly implicit bias, but it means so much to so many different people. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, and we, we, we said we would discuss this, there, there have been reports in the press recently. Certainly there were a few moments on LinkedIn over the last six months talking about you know, does tackling unconscious bias work? Does it sometimes inflame as much as assist yep. in terms of that? Um, what, what do you think? You know, what's your response having been through that process now? Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting because when I first years ago heard about unconscious bias, I, I wasn't 100% convinced. And there was a probably about four or five years ago, there was a bit of a rush to everyone doing implicit uh, unconscious bias training. Um, and I think, you know, I, through listening to what the staff had said around their own personal experience of bias, uh, not necessarily in the workplace, but just in life generally, and on the back of the Black Lives Matter and what happened there, I just thought, you know, this is a good time to do this. This is a good time to raise awareness and education. And you're right, it is a difficult subject. It's um, not something that I would recommend people enter into lightly without thinking. But because we discussed at the exec team and we had the exec, you know, the CEO and the rest of the exec on board to address this topic, I felt that was the moment and the staff had asked for it. So I think that the setting was right. I don't think I would necessarily just plonk it in as another HR thing, another HR initiative. Um, what do I think, you know, although there were uh, comments at the time, there were comments about, and there have been subsequently about, I think the government said they were going to stop doing all unconscious bias training, for example. Um, and people did say, well, actually, does it inflame situations rather than resolve them? I, I think there's a potential in that. But, you know, the, the whole idea of us doing was about education. Hmm. And I think in the same way as somebody does, uh, might listen to a, uh, uh, a debate on television they might support a certain political party they might have views on definitely don't want to go there on brexit but you know they may <laughs> have views on things like that on trump they've got all people have got different views hmm. and i think that all this was about was trying to trying to uh, bring a, a topic to the table that uh, some people feel very very strongly about and to try and provide some level of education and that was it that we wasn't really trying to enforce people to change their views. It was about education. And I think that whether people liked or didn't like it, I think that, you know, there would be uh, people, I'd like to think people at least took something away as a reflection point. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting one. Well, definitely. And, and on that note, I suppose, what the, the feedback, what, what happened after you'd rolled this out? Was, you know, how did, that, uh, how did that come back to you in terms of feedback? 
Yeah, so so look, some people really uh, found it beneficial. Uh, the chatter was fascinating when you saw the chatter coming up. And I think that one of the other things is that people's backgrounds and experiences in life and where they're from and how they interact with people, obviously that has a major bearing on their views on these sort of subjects. Um, there were people that struggled with the concept. There were people that um, questioned why we were trying to tackle that issue. Um, but, you know, I think that overall it was positive overall. And I think it was the right thing to do. And I still think it was the right thing to do. Um, but, you know, it doesn't finish there. It doesn't it doesn't finish there. And it's not just about Black Lives Matter. It's not just about that particular part of uh, implicit bias. There are many other types. And those are things that we want to move on to. What you beautifully done. I was going to say, what 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 are you looking at next, I suppose, in terms of follow up? Um, you know, what, what do you think will uh you'll approach the business with in terms of initiatives moving onwards? Well, one of them, one of them we've, uh, we've done already since we um, did the implicit bias, and that was the International Women's Day on the 8th of March. And I know a lot of companies do this, but again, this is fairly early days for our partner doing this sort of thing. But we mm. had two guest speakers come in on the 8th of March, and it was great to see that, you know, 77 people joined up to attend that, um, that team session. Um, and it wasn't just women either. There were a lot of uh, allied men there as well, which was great to see. Um, so we've done that. And I think there's more that we need to do on that to celebrate women in the workplace um, and to eradicate any bias around that as well. Um, and really great. We've just uh, we just heard this morning, actually, that um, the e-learning module that we've created around implicit bias has now been developed. We've got our own in-house e-learning team up okay. in our Doncaster office, and they've created an e-learning module, which means that we can take, you know, what those people who are fortunate enough to attend sessions in person, we're able now to take that and utilise that for all of our people that are joining, for managers, anybody who wants to do a bit of a refresher. So that's quite exciting as well. Um, but, you know, we've also, last year, we, we relaunched our diversity inclusion policy. We looked at our recruitment policy. Um, there's a number of things there in early stages about things like recruitment um I, we haven't done it we haven't decided we're doing this yet but one of the things that somebody brought up was that why don't we take names off of cvs mm. you know when it gets to manager level so yeah we we need to know who we're addressing with a cv when it comes into our talent acquisition person but um you know why don't we take names off that's something we're thinking about we haven't made a decision yet but i think that yeah it's certainly got us all thinking about you know bias and how we can uh how we can try to remove that. Well, you raised some really good points there. I mean, firstly, um, and it's important to state this for the benefit of, of, of the listeners and watchers, is that, you know, um, so many organisations, they're, they're not great, big, huge global blue chips with all the resources in the world who can roll this out from their, you know, head office, wherever it is, no. really easily. You know, you have to, to build this stuff yourself. There are brave steps to take in an organisation that perhaps hasn't, you know, move this kind of stuff forward in the past. So, you know, you're to be applauded for that. And so many of, of our listeners will identify with that because they're, they're from similar size, you know, medium businesses rather than, you know, the, the huge banks of this world or whatever it is that, that have probably approached this in, in a different way. Equally, just touching on the diversity piece there, which I thought was really interesting. I mean, that's, we, we see that more and more. We're asked and, and are now offering, in fact, to present to our new clients where we, we have no relationship completely anonymized CVs with dates, with genders, with names removed, so that, mm. you know, and, and 
sometimes the challenge is actually the technology. So, you know, we end up having to put them through an ATS, which doesn't support that yet or or makes it too challenging to to do so. Do you know what I mean? So there's still such a long way to go, even when you are dealing with these, you know, huge organisations. It's it's, so many barriers. You're dead right. And that's part of the reason we haven't decided to do it yet. <laughs> because we might just find we've got a load of anonymized CVs and we can't actually find out whose it is. So um, <laughs> this is it. It adds a new layer of complexity as well as ta- yeah. taking away any uh, any bias, as you mentioned. OK, so, I mean, other initiatives, I guess this is something that you, you, you've delivered, you've, you've seen the feedback, you've produced an e-learning version of it to future proof it, so to speak, for now. Um, what else is on the agenda for you from a, a people perspective and specifically a diversity and inclusion yeah. Uh, yeah. agenda? Yeah, so so just before we head on to that, Simon, I wanted to reassure people that you don't need massive budgets to do this stuff. So we haven't spent thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds. So I think that, you know, a lot of this is stuff that is out there um, that you would be able to find. You, uh, I'd be very happy to, um, to, to talk to anybody who wants to embark on this sort of thing to try and give us some hits and tips if that's useful. So um, from that perspective, as I say, you don't need massive deep pockets where we don't have the budgets of the, uh, of the FTSE 100s or anything like that. So, but it doesn't mean you can't do it and can't do it well. But what else are we doing? So the other thing that we are looking at is employee resource groups. Now, interestingly, that I'm doing continue to try and do a bit more research into employee resource groups because it's it's a concept that I've not actually implemented before. But I think what's becoming clearer is that the draw on people's time for multiple groups, particularly in organisations of our size, is quite difficult. And it tends to be the same people that come forward to do these things because they're outside of the day job, technically. Um, and I think where we're probably headed is that we need an ERG. We, rather than ERGs, plural, we probably need one, which covers a range of these types of subjects right. where we can deal with all sorts of uh, diversity and inclusion questions. So whether it's a women's network, LGBTQ+, whatever, whatever um, minority group or um, interest group that there is, I think if we, could, if we can set our sights on having an ERG for that. Uh, I think that's that's definitely something we want to look at. Um, we've also um, relaunched our website last year, which gave us an opportunity to update our careers page. So we tried to be a bit more diverse within that. Um, so, you know, but look, there's still a way to go. I think most businesses would admit that there's still a way to go. Um, and, uh, you know, we're committed to, to, to that journey really. Excellent. So as you say, you've, you've started looking at policies, particularly the recruitment one, which you mentioned. Um, would you say, uh, it's a glib question, really, are you there yet, do you think, in terms of diversity and inclusion? No. You know, how, how is that journey uh, so far? Yeah. I mean, look, it, 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 you, you know, you, you, there's always more you can do in this space, I think. And, and you know, if we're honest, if we look at it, there are, there are certainly more... Um, ethnic minorities that we would benefit from having within the organization. You're, you are obviously limited in some ways to your catchment area. Now, COVID may actually, one of the things from COVID may open that up, uh, but these are things that we're currently looking at in terms of how can we expand beyond, you know, um, how do we work going forward? What opportunities does that open up? But I think there's always more we can do. And some of it's about, I think, to attract more people, you've got to have more 
uh, a more diverse uh, base to start with, because I think people would then see people that are like them working in an organization. I think that encourages more people. I think there's a lot more we can do, continue to do on our social media. You know, I'm keen to get out there and, and, and talk to people about what we're doing here, why we're doing things like this. And, and, and obviously, not for me to be fronting things, but for some of our um, some of our diverse employees to be able to do things as well. And I think that's a great way to get the message out. Definitely, definitely. No, well said. So, I, I mean, it's, it's rude not to ask, I suppose. Do you regret running the programme? No. No, uh, not at all. Um, I think, you know, I don't think any of us are the finished article. Anybody who says that they're done with learning, they don't need to learn anymore, they know everything about everything, I'd say go and have a look in the mirror because I don't think anyone really, truly um, can confess to that. Um, and, you know, sometimes people are scared about things because they're worried about their own concepts, preconceptions being challenged. That's OK as well. And even if people, even if there was anybody who turned up to uh, an implicit bias session here and found it challenging, if they went away and reflected, what I'd hope is they, they, they maybe, you know, thought about that and are now saying, well, you know, yes, there were a couple of things and I may not even admit it to anybody, but it might be something I might do differently uh, or I might think differently in the future. And if we've done that, then we've, we've achieved something. And um, hopefully our, our people who are in minority groups, you know, um, feel supported as well by the organisation, by their colleagues. Exactly, exactly. And this is when you when you sort of scan the, the websites and, uh, and the social media and so on. The biggest point seems to be just that you've listened, to be honest, as an organisation. You've given you've allowed people to speak and given them a platform and listened. And I think that seems to be a big just a, a huge part of it. Craig, as we as we near the end, any other reflections on on perhaps other steps, next steps or, or things you do differently if you were going through this process again? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we would. Uh, I'd still work with the same people to do the uh, to do the implicit bias. But I think that what I might do is is just make sure people are of a little bit more information up front. I think we can't make an assumption that people, just because unconscious bias has been around the HR community and and certain other walks of life, we can't make the assumption that people understand what unconscious or implicit bias is. And I think that there may be, although we did email people, we did mail shots on our intranet, etc. Um, I think there's still a little bit of um, misconception about maybe what it is. And so I think a little bit more work up front is probably what I would do, but certainly would still absolutely still run it. Um, and, you know, uh, as I said, that's just the start of our journey. There's many other areas that we want to cover as well. Excellent. And they always say that you can never over communicate, I suppose, you, you know, the more information, everyone picks it up at a different time. And, and in this age, you kind of need to put it out there, you know, audio, video, email, WhatsApp, yes. whatever, yeah. you know, there, there are too many channels. Yeah. But um, yeah. excellent. Hey, look, I really appreciate you taking the time because I know how busy you are. And we've been sort of talking about this over the last few sort of weeks and months. And we thought yeah. we must there must be a time in the diary. And I'm delighted to have grabbed a bit of that time today. So Thank thanks you. again, Craig. I really appreciate it. You mentioned um, for anyone who's looking at perhaps running a similar program, looking at unconscious or implicit bias within your business, is it all right to reach out to you via LinkedIn in the first instance, yes. Craig? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, please feel free. And, um, you know, if there's enough interest, then uh, I'll either speak to people on one-to-one -one or 
get a little group together and uh, anything we can do to help you know because as i say this stuff is um we, we've we've done some of the legwork and you know if you can borrow and steal with uh without a forgive with without apology then uh, you know i'm all, all a fan for it so no only to have to help Thanks, Craig. Well, hey, look, Thanks appreciate your time. time. Lovely to Good see problem. you. And um, obviously, I'll be in touch as always. Great. Thanks very much. Cheers. Hello, it's Simon Gear again from Alexander Lloyd. I hope you enjoyed episode three with Craig Patterson from Air Partner. Um, it was a really enjoyable episode for me to record, actually. Uh, it was really great to hear about Craig's experiences and learnings in delivering this, this challenging area. So I uh, hope you two found that useful and insightful. Anyway, you can check out all other episodes from season two and season one on the Alexander Lloyd YouTube channel. Um, and audio is available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Just look up Talk HR UK. Um, again, if you would mind, wouldn't mind liking, reviewing perhaps, and sharing uh, and subscribing to get the next episode, that would all be wonderful for us uh, because the more people that hear and enjoy the podcast, uh, the more we can work on making it better each week. But there's be a new episode next week, every Tuesday. Um, look forward to talking to you then. Have a great week. Thanks for listening, HR people. Speak soon.